The Psalms contain many messianic clues as to the identity of Jesus, God's Son, even though the Psalms were written hundreds of years before his birth. These clues fortify our faith and reinforce the authority and ministry of Jesus in our lives. Here's Dr. Jim Bradford with more on The Central Moment. I welcome you to this moment around God's Word and prayer again today as we look at two of what I call the messianic clues that are found in Psalm 110. There's two references in this psalm that will be quoted in the New Testament as referring to Jesus, as being pictures of Jesus. This is what we mean by messianic clues. And uh, the, these things do reinforce our faith. They, they do fortify our, uh, our, our conviction as to the authority and ministry of Jesus. So verse 1 of Psalm 110, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus will use this to kind of play games, word games, with his critics. But uh, Paul will, in a very different context, land on that verse in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the longest, most comprehensive description of the resurrection of Jesus and its implications for us. Everything, according to 1 Corinthians 15, hinges on whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. And one of the uh, evidences of the resurrection, I mean, I mean, one of the one of the results, one of the realities that flow out of his resurrection, is that uh, that sets him up to be the ultimate king who has dominion over heaven and earth. For verse twenty-four of First Corinthians fifteen, then the end will come when he, that's Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father. After he has destroyed all dominion, all authority, and all power. So he's speaking of the powers of darkness and evil. He's going to be dismantling them. He started that at the cross. When he comes the second time, he is going to fully put away the kingdom of this world and bring the kingdom of God, bring the rule of God. And that day is yet coming. And so so that is going to be when the end comes. And somehow the resurrection of Jesus... Um, begins to point us towards the end of that story, the implication of the fact that he rose. Four, verse, and it, so Paul explains in the next verse, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then here is where he quotes Psalm 110, for he has put everything under his feet. That's what Psalm 110 verse 1 says. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand, the place of authority. Right hand always referred to the place of authority until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. God's going to put everything under Jesus' feet, all authorities and powers. So you want to be on Jesus' side. Um, the idea of, of, of being put under his feet means you're defeated. So, uh, so you don't want to be on the world's side, the kingdom of this world's side. You want to be on Jesus' side. And then there's a second messianic clue. They're not directly related as the psalm progresses. But all of a sudden, the psalmist says in verse 4 of Psalm 110, The Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So that's also quoted in the New Testament. Because in Hebrews chapter 7, Melchizedek 
is described as an Old Testament priest who is the picture of Jesus the Messiah. Melchizedek was the one who came out to meet Abraham after Abraham had had a supernatural victory uh, by which his family was rescued. And Melchizedek meets him with bread and wine, of all things, like Jesus took the cup and the bread and told us to take it. And in turn, Abraham paid him a tenth, tithe to him. This was well before the law of Moses that you should tithe. That's why I don't think tithing is an Old Testament law. Tithing is a principle of responding to Jesus. And, uh, and Hebrews 7 describes it this way. This Melchizedek, king of Salem and priest of the Most High God, he met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tithe of everything. And then in the next verses, the writer of Hebrews uh, describes the significance of Melchizedek. First of all, his name. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem, the king of peace. So Melchizedek, king of Salem, really means king of righteousness, who's the king of peace. Salem, shalom. That sounds like Jesus. And without father or mother, without genealogy, there's no genealogy. We don't know where he came from. We don't know how he died. So he was a man, but that picture is sort of Jesus' eternalness. Without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Thank God we have a priest. Thank God that that priest someday will put all things of evil and darkness under his feet. Meanwhile, we have a priest who can bring us close to God. That's the work and ministry of Jesus. So we thank you for this. We bless you. Be that Melchizedek priest king to us, we pray today. And we thank you that all authority is in your name. We live in that. We rely on that. And we praise you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.